Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking Angular Ivy. I know everybody wants to know more about this thing. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Say hi to our panelists today. Joining us, we've got Alyssa Nichol. Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, glad to be here, everyone. And we've got Bonnie Brennan with us. Bonnie, what's going on? Hey, happy Friday. Yeah, a little bonus episode this week. Um, Mike, what's going on, Mike? Uh, aside from uh, not feeling well, I'm excited to learn a little bit about Ivy. Very much, very much. And our, our guest that's going to tell us all about it, uh, Uri Shaked. How, Uri, how's it going? Hello. Well, I'm having a little affair here with the T-Rex from Chrome. But other than that, everything is fine. Hey, T-Rex. Are, are you making a jump? Uh, yes, you can see here. Jump. Roop, roop, roop. Vo voice activated. I like that. I like that. Hey, yeah, special are, effects. Uh, um, you know, it's been a minute since you've been on the, the show. Why don't you uh, fill our viewers in for what you've been up to? Hmm. Uh, so much. I just released... Um, new post uh, new blog post today about 3d printing but actually it's not only about 3d printing uh it's about also about an interesting event in my life there is a surprise inside the blog post so you can uh you can find a link and read it on my twitter Ooh. and uh, find what the surprise would be any guesses no but can i spoil it on the show if i go and find it real quick kidding kidding yes you can I don't know if anybody has a guess. All right, so uh, it will. Uh, the audience will have to check out a blog post and see uh, what there is a egg there, and there's something inside the egg. What's inside the egg? All right, maybe maybe somebody who's watching in our uh, YouTube chat, whoever can be first to say it can win our appraisal and, and <laughs> I don't know. We'll give a shout out. How about that? <laughs> a T-Rex sticker. How about that? Ooh, all right. All right. All right. Somebody said yolk. Is that what's in the egg? It's a 3D printed egg. It's not a reg just a regular egg. Right. All right. All right. Something, so something under pressure. I found what's in the egg. You found it, Bonnie. That is so cool. You're Thank you. <laughs> so what did so what did Ariella think of that 3D printed egg? She she was like, wow. She was she, she really loved it because uh, as I wrote in the blog post, she really loves the concept of uh, Kinder eggs with the surprises inside. And when she opened the egg and found uh, the surprise, she was like, wow, that's she was surprised. She didn't expect that to come in the egg. And she was like, wow, that's like the perfect surprise. That's exactly the way um, it's like. Can, you, can, we just, can we just spoil it? Can we do it? I don't know. What, what does uh, Mike say? I, I will let Mike decide here because he seems in a good mood today. No, no, no. It's not my decision. It's not my news. <laughs> Oh my gosh, someone spoil it before I do. <laughs> but uh, you know, Mike, if if they tell if they tell it on the show, you have to be uh, happy after they tell it. You have to change your mood. Can we make it work? 
I'll do, I'll do what I can. Yes. All right. All right. So let's do this. So you, so you had a, so you had a special 3D uh, gift, and how did it go? Ah, wow. Did she it's say like, yes? She said yes. That's amazing. Of course. That is so great because uh, I mean, you, you don't get people who are that smart and that romantic all in one package. So it's probably pretty smart that she said yes. That's pretty great. Oh, that's thank the, you, <laughs> that's, the, that's the nerdiest and the most romantic thing I think ever. <laughs> thank you. You know, we were talking before this episode about like how uh, upbeat and positive angular air always is and maybe there's some lack of drama like this is going to be like the most upbeat and positive episode ever so i mean I'm, we're definitely not going towards that other realm i don't even remember what you were going to talk about now i want to hear all about her <laughs> uh this is an episode about the real right isn't it yeah 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 tell us well, everything well i've been oh but we're is her name ivy uh, yeah, that's her yeah, code name. Do. I'm sorry. We'll we'll take it offline with Ariella, and uh, you should probably teach us because there's people watching that. And I I do love Ivy. I was excited about that before I even found out about this. But offline, uh, we want to All right. Well, let's let's then get down to business about Ivy. How about that? Yeah, let's do it. It was a long introduction, but I liked the uh, positive energies that it brought to everyone. Well, that was fun, hiding a surprise inside of a blog post. <laughs> totally. Very cool. Very cool. So, what is Ivy? Wow, what is Ivy, you ask? So uh, actually, let me ask you, I want, I'm really interested to know, what do you know, what, like, what have you heard so far about Ivy? What's your impression before we get into the nitty gritty details? Uh, if you're asking me personally, I had a wonderful teacher explain me all about Ivy. Um, that person is you. Uh, in another blog post, uh, that you put up about uh, Ivy, I read through that. So I have a pretty good understanding, uh, thanks to you, of not only what Ivy is, but also what the benefits are. So I guess you want me to explain and make sure that you wrote a good blog post. Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> uh, well, I, I have, love to. You have, I have well. not had a chance to dive into Ivy yet. So you can be our wonderful teacher today. The last okay. time we met, we were talking, we were like nerding out over, uh, uh, Bluetooth brainwaves, and we didn't even get into Ivy, so I'm pretty excited about this. I, know, I mean, I know what Ivy is, but I only know the helicopter view. So I, I think it's like a new version of the rendering engine. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. I'm just really confused on the timeline because, like, I'm not going to lie. I've read a couple of blog posts, and I, like, totally was texting Mike one morning in bed because I found this blog post, and I'm, like, lying in bed, and I'm, like, oh, my God, did Ivy hit, and I didn't know, and no one told me? Like, because this blog post was literally talking about it like it's already live, and so I had to make sure I wasn't losing my mind. So does anybody know, like, what all the confusion about the releases? Like, it's – Mike was telling me that, like, it's available to try out, but it's not – what launch? It's not ready for prime time. They have been teasing us for quite a while on this Ivy thing. That was yeah, exactly I think. What I wrote. Um, <laughs> but I, I think before we're talking about 
availability, I think we should clarify a little bit about what IV is and what the benefits are. And then we can talk about, oh, this is so exciting. When can we play with it? <laughs> I like it. Okay. So tell us, Mike, what oh, are you most excited about with IV? I'm here to ask questions. <laughs> okay. I mean, Uri. <laughs> So yeah, so um, basically, as Justin said, Ivy is a new rendering engine for Angular and also um, a new compiler. They go hand in hand. And I think um, we can start with the benefits. What does Ivy bring to the table? Um, so it's amazing. It has so much things it brings to the table. Um, let's start with the high-level view, and then we can dive into the details. So in short, like TLDR, uh, eventually it will help us to get smaller bundles, faster rebuild times. Whenever we make a change in the application, uh, it will compile much faster. And then also getting rid of all those ng-summary JSON and ng-metadata JSON files that uh, has right now has to come bundled with every third-party Angular module or library distributed on NPM. So basically, take get rid of a lot of the complexity that there is right now in the packaging solutions for Angular libraries and get us smaller applications, faster applications, and better developer experience. Basically, everything you could expect from uh something new and shiny um so that's really in a nutshell and to get better idea of uh the philosophy the philosophy behind ivy um i think one of the more interesting things that i learned about ivy when speaking with the angular team and trying to understand their um thought process how they um, approach um, creating the IV is that they started approaching all the code base in a way that enables better tree shaking. So basically, it's not just uh, right now you can get some things shaked away from the uh, bundle from your applications if you don't use them. Like if you use Angular material and use uh, only the checkbox, you will get a code for the checkbox, but you won't get a code for dropdowns. Um, but that's not really a granular resolution. If you think of it, um, sometimes when you write smaller applications with Angular, or if you want to write custom elements with Angular, you don't use a lot of the features that the framework offer, like, um, Sometimes you want to use um, ng-if or your favorite body, ng-4, the replacement of ng-repeat. Um, or sometimes you want to use uh, all the uh, decorators, like uh, the query uh, decorator that allows you to get uh, the child elements of um, your component. And all these. Um, all these aspects of the framework add more additional code to your bundle. And up to this point, you couldn't 
take them away. Like if you included Angular Core and Angular Common, you had all this code in your bundle. There was no easy way to get rid of it. And that's not optimal. Um, so now the new approach for Angular is to rethink how they uh, build the entire framework, framework so every single bit of the framework will be tree shakeable. Um, not just in the level of uh, like the module level granularity, but very granular uh, tree shaking. And that's how they get smaller bundle size. And they had to change the way dependency injection worked for that and the way the compiler works for that. And this leave, uh, leads, at, leads us to the second thing, which is uh, the faster rebuild times I told you about. So whenever you change the code for some component, you don't have to wait for the Angular compiler to go over the entire application and um, understand all the components and their relationships like you had to do today. Basically, the compiler will now be local, which means it gets a component as an input and it creates um, a compile TypeScript file as an output just for that component without having to look at the entire structure of the application and the ng modules and we'll uh, probably get later to the way it achieves that but um, it gets as simple as the compiler is taking one source file transforming it writing the result to this and that's it so whenever you change one file only one file has to be compiled um, and that works hand in hand with the um, ability of the compiler to get rid of the new compiler to get rid of those metadata and ng summary JSON, because now they have something really neat instead. Instead of generating um, those extra files to store all the metadata about your components, what their inputs are, what their outputs are, uh, etc. Right now, um, Ivy just generates uh, TypeScript files, TypeScript definition files, which include all that information. So the idea is instead of uh, having two compilers, the Angular compiler that does uh, all the input and output and uh, validation of the component, and then TypeScript compiler, which does the uh, validation of types, have TypeScript do both. So the compiler will just transform your components into a, um, into a file that TypeScript can ingest, and then TypeScript will just do all this as part of its type checking. So basically, we uh, leverage the power of the TypeScript compiler instead of reinventing the wheel and doing uh, double work once uh, in the Angular compiler and then in the TypeScript. So that was. Uh, a quick overview of the benefits Ivy brings to the table. Um, and I would love to hear what you think about it and if you have any questions about that. I, we I have, have questions. One, I, I have a concern first. I want to go first, Bonnie. Go. So there's a lot of great things there. Uh, smaller bundles, faster builds, all those great things. Um, as a developer and somebody who's using the framework, what do I need to do to take advantage of that once that's out? Am I going to have to change my application? Am I going to have to change my code or my templates to take advantage of all of that? 
Okay, that's a great question. And I think I like the answer for that because the answer for that is that you are not alone. There are, um, I think, a few hundred, if not more than thousands of projects within Google using Angular. And Google has this thing where they only allow their entire code base to use a single version of Angular. It means that the day Ivy turns on as default for um, Angular, all those applications will be immediately switching to Ivy, and they have to have their build passing, their tests passing, and they will be deployed to production the same day within hours. So basically, the moment the flag is switched, the Angular have to make the Angular team has to make sure that all these applications work. And if they will have to, if they will have too many breaking changes, they will have a lot of work in that single commit that uh, switches IB on because they will also have to commit uh, fixes to all the applications across Google that use Angular. Therefore, it's their interest to make sure that once IV is available and is switched on, uh, the transition is mostly flawless. There could be a few little uh, edge cases, and I'm sure they will address them. But basically, uh, you and all the other projects in Google are in the same boat. So there is a good um, there is a good basis for assuming that Angular will take care of this. That's beautiful. So that's the coolest thing. What about if they want to try it out right now, though? Like, what process did you go through to play around with Ivy yourself? So, uh, a good question. That so, was a very uh, good question, Alyssa. I was wondering amazing that. Amazing question. Because I'm you waiting can... for you to, like, share your screen, like, you know, like, show us. But you're saying we don't have to do anything different than we've been doing. So, basically, um, I would go with a cliche and show you that I have less hairs on my uh, head, but you can't see it on this angle. But um, actually, to be honest, um, comparing the process for trying out IV and the output of IV with the previous compiler versions, it's much easier. Um, IV is much simpler. I think that Sometimes you have to go through some level of complexity in your design in order to find the simplest solution. And I think Ivy is one step in the way there. So uh, the compiler for Angular 2 was um, complicated, and it generated a lot of code. And then they tried to optimize it in Angular 4. And I think you can remember this, uh, Mike, when they introduced the new compiler in Angular 4, almost nobody noticed. When I gave a talk uh, last year in EduConf about Angular 4, I asked the audience, hey, uh, most of you have already switched to Angular 4. Have any of you suffered any pains because of the switch? And there was only one gay ra guy raising uh, his hand. So after my talk, I uh, approached this guy and I asked him what was the story. And basically, he did something really, really custom. He created some kind of um, shell app with different React and Angular components mixed in together with some kind of custom framework he created around this. So um, 
basically it was the only one out of 200 people that was having some difficulties with the upgrades because it was doing something really very unusual um so basically angular takes care of uh making those changes more or less transparent uh, for the users for the developers and we have seen this in the past but in the same time i think uh, they try to simplify things a lot and that's what i like about this approach um, removing a lot of the complexity making things smaller more local easier to reason about and i think that um, i will show a quick example of uh, how we just write angular iv code working directly with the renderer. We are not going to write a template. We are going to write the JavaScript code that the compiler should have generated for us behind the scenes and see how simple it is, how simple the building blocks are. And Mike mentioned my blog post. And in my blog post, you can see how you can easily uh, change one flag in the uh, tsconfig file and see the output of the Ivy compiler. You can't really try, I, I haven't found a simple way to take a complete application and try it uh, with Ivy. And the, the main reason is that most of the third party libraries, as well as some of the core directives, aren't yet compatible with Ivy. They haven't been they haven't been compiled with Ivy yet. So you have to go through hoops to make them work in the Ivy environment. But if you write code only using your own components, then that's super simple. But nobody does that right. And <laughs> before uh, before we kind of show some stuff, uh, just to kind of give a, a brief kind of understanding of what we've got you know, when we talk about the renderer um, and the compiling stages, we're, you know, we're writing our markup, our HTML, right? We're writing our component uh, uh, class code, right? Our JavaScript TypeScript code. And then at some stage, this the compiler comes in and changes that code so that it can then run through this renderer so that it can run in the browser, right? And tie in all those little things that we do where we, we do the NGFs, NG4s, any type of inputs and outputs, click events, those sort of things. There's this transition of the code that we, the markup that we write that needs to get converted into JavaScript that then can run in the browser, right? And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about this renderer and the compile step and all that kind of magic that we as developers kind of don't face or, or deal with, right? Um, and I really like what you said with this process that that has kind of gone through with the compiler and everything that goes into that render starting out very complex and 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 working and then getting optimized as we go along. Like what we'll see with Ivy as you, you dig into this and seeing that how that optimizes. And that's something that we do as developers, you know, in every stuff that we build too. I mean, a lot of times we we build something to get it working and then we optimize it to get it efficient, right? And so, um, but I, I think it's important because. I know once you dive into the stuff we show, one of the aspects with Ivy is showing that um, difference of that. And when we talk about the size and payload and things like that, showing the, the size that is needed to render that stuff that we wrote versus what it was pre-Ivy, right? And that's one of these big leaps that it does. So kind of want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the summary. So one more thing to say before we dive into actual Ivy. Um, 
And that's going back to you, Mike. Another thing the Angular team has started working on, I think it's led by uh, Pete Bacon and Darwin, is a piece of code called NGCC, which stands for the Angular Compatibility Compiler. And the idea here is to be able to um, compile into the future libraries that were built for Angular 4 or 6, uh, so they will be IV compatible. So right now, the situation is if you wanted to try Ivy, as I said before, you can't use third-party libraries because they were not compiled with Ivy. But NGCC will uh, solve this, basically, by being able to transform those um, metadata JSON or ng summary JSON files, at least one of them, into the new IV format for us. So we will still be able to consume libraries created for um, previous versions of Angular, and that should make the transition super easy. Because even if you use IV, you don't have to wait until all the libraries that you use upgrade to IV. You can start using what is So what is it transforming? It's not transforming like the whole library. What did you say this in GCC is transforming? It's just like a file. They're basically making it backwards compatible with all yeah. these random libraries that they didn't even write, which is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, cool. basically, right now libraries comes come with all the metadata that gets bundled, uh, all the information about the components, their inputs, their outputs, those mm -hmm. uh, ng summary, ng metadata, JSON files. Okay. And ngcc will. Uh, transfer those into DTS TypeScript definition file, which will be the new way for um, Ivy to uh, enforce those constraints. So basically, doing the work for us. That's what we love about programming, right? <laughs> we can get a computer to do our work. So we all need to tweet at Peter Bacon Darwin and tell him thank you is what you're saying. <laughs> we really, we should tweet Peter Bacon Darwin love at least once a week, at least. Hey, uh, so Frederick's in the chat with lots of good questions, and he wants to know if there's anything uh, useful with web components. So how does this tie in or relate to web components, or does it? That's an absolutely great question. I've been asking myself as well. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know still where this is going, but I can see that there is a very tight uh, connection between what they do with Ivy and how this can be used to build very simple, self-contained, standalone components with Angular. And we are going to see it in just a moment, like how I just um, take an Angular component and sort of run it standalone. It will still use some part of the framework, but it's it feels much more self-contained than, than it used to be. So. I'm not exactly sure about the plans, but it seems that this new, this whole transition, the um, architecture of Angular applications is going through because of Ivy, uh, walks hand in hand with uh, being able to build elements, custom elements, and ship them with Angular as a smaller standalone unit. So I, I also want to get it answer to this question, but I'm very positive that this will happen eventually. Yeah, Frederick I think thinks that, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
think it's a mix of that tree shaking, right? And that size of the, the render and everything, you know, getting that thing as small as possible for your web component delivery. So it just does what it needs to do without the high overhead of Angular, right? And that helps, uh, is going to help that significantly. Mm -hmm. And Frederick thinks that the uh, backward compatibility, what is it, NGCC? NGCC. That that would help with having multiple uh, web components of different versions on the same page, which is a good point. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think that NGCC relates to uh, the level of web components because web components have all their interfaces work at runtime. I mean, you don't have to know at compile time that you are going to be using a specific web component. You just use that element and all the magic happens at runtime. So for the uh, web component story, I'm not sure that NGCC will be relevant, but um, when you are still in the Angular land and you are consuming Angular component and you want uh, to be able to get the feedback um, about how you use the component, to know that you didn't make any errors in build time, then NGCC is going to be super useful. So are you going to show us? Um, yeah, let's let's actually see some code. So let me see. Um, let me start with a slide that uh, I, I just like. Uh, I will. Uh, can we share uh, the screen, Justin? Do I need to do anything, or is it just going to happen? See the little green icon on the. Side. The one that says. Share the, the one that says screen share, right? <laughs> okay, I'm going to do this sharing my screen. Let's see. Can you see yourself? Yes. Infinitely? Yeah. <laughs> Infinite Justin. Woo! All right. <laughs> and now uh, I should have presented this. So this, this is, is just one of the many reasons I love you, Uri, because of the woo, you're just so fun. Sound effect. So this is what the older Angular compiler felt to me in a way. A very complicated machine where a lot of parts have to work together in order to produce produce something amazingly at the same time complex. I hope you can see the GIF while I'm speaking about it. Yeah, we can. It looks good. <laughs> and I think the new compiler uh, and renderer Ivy is more like this, where it does a very specific thing one at a time. And it's very good at that. All the complexity or most of the complexity gone. It's now simple, precise, and does what it's supposed to do. So uh, this is the slide I wanted to be sharing. And I think um, the next thing we can do is actually uh, start with showing you how, um, how I think it's the demo directory, yeah, IV internals. How to just enable IV and see the output of IV in your project. So I got here a new uh, Angular project created with um, the NGCLI just a few uh, hours ago. And it's just the boilerplate with uh, app component that says, um, well, basically, uh, welcome to app. Here are some links, etc. And in order to um, get a taste of what IV looks like, I just go to the psconfig and uh, I do what developers are, are best at, which is copy-pasting, and just 
uh, paste this small snippet here. You can also find it in the blog post, uh, which is Angular compiler options, enable IVI, enable IV true. And then all I have to do is just run ngc, and ngc will now uh, compile my app template, which is what we have seen here, using Ivy. And then we can start um, seeing those side by side, like comparing the input, which is this HTML template, with the output, which we can find uh, inside Beast outtsc and the same paths. Um, app src app but this time the template is inside app.component.js so basically what ivy does here it takes both the html and the um, class the component and it merges them into a single javascript file uh, which we are going to see in a moment and we are going to compare the html template with the output of ivy and this is the output of Ivy that also passed through the TypeScript compiler. So it's also compiled to JavaScript after. So are you ready for it? Three, two, one, Ivy. Mm -hmm. So we have the template on the left and the Ivy on the right. And you can see here this uh, app component class. And you can see this uh, single simple assignment that put the word app into title. That's taken from the class. Um, but what's more interesting is this ng-component-def, which is a static property that has been added to the class by the IV compiler. And what it does, it basically calls uh, i0.defined-component. Now, we can see i0 repeats a lot of time. And if we check at the beginning of file, we can see that I0 is simply Angular core. The Angular core module is imported as I0. So in order to make it uh, more readable, we'll just rename it to core. And now um, it's easier to read. So basically, we are calling, calling a function from the um, Angular core module that's called defined component. And this function is basically the equivalent of the uh, add component decorator that we had at the, uh, in the original class. So if you go to the class, this, um, this ng component dev is more or less the equivalent of this. So Ivy transformed this uh, add component that we had to this ng-component def. And we can see the parallels just in a moment. So we can see a few, uh, let me uh, arrange the lines in a more readable fashion. We can see it has, uh, it gets four parameters. The first one is just the class type. Um, and then it gets the selector, which is the one that was defined at the uh, decorator level. And then it gets a factory. And um, this vectory just creates a new instance of the class. This is where dependency injection would have been handled if we had any dependencies in the um, um, constructor of our class. But since we don't have, it's super simple. It just returns new app component. And then I think the interesting part is this template, um, where all the templates for uh, like the HTML code is basically translated into this template function. 
And what we can see here is that uh, we have one-to-one -one correspondence with the HTML code and the template instructions. So we have these cryptic functions like theta e. And you probably ask yourself what theta means. So does any of you know what theta would do? Why they use the letter theta here? I thought that was a lowercase e. Me too. I'm confused. <laughs> Don't they use it to like uh, indicate this kind of protected code sort of deal? Not right. So um, th and that, now you that... have to teach us how to type that on our keyboards. Okay, I'm going to show you one little trick that uh, made me a, a millionaire. Uh, no, it just allowed me to type this uh, letter. Now but, I'm really yeah. excited. <laughs> I, I actually, uh, at the beginning, I was also reading it as a little e, but then I realized it wasn't a, really a little e at what some point. What made you think that's not an e? Because I'm still seeing an e, man. <laughs> let, let, let's zoom in and yeah, see if you can see right? the data. Can you see the data now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Some okay, people like are so, blind, so It's like you. a Pokemon ball. Yes, okay, okay. So what uh, Justin said is true. It, it basically means this is private. You should not be using it. And as I'm, uh, as we are speaking, I suddenly had an insight. I think I know why they chose the letter Teta. I mean, they could have chosen any other uh, Unicode letter, including Hebrew letters and whatever. But I think the reason they chose theta is that it looks more or less, it resembles a no entry sign, right? Ooh, I like, I like the that. little, that's like, pretty that's clever. True. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? If that's not why they meant it, that is why they meant it now. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the attitude. So basically, these are all like the defined component, and these functions are all private functions. And I think the reason they call the theta e theta s is just to make the bundles the bundle smaller. But then we can use the magic of TypeScript. If we hover them, we can see um, the l like the doc string for the original function and the name and the uh, types of the parameters. And if we command or control click it, let's take the first one, the theta uppercase e. We can actually, uh, wow, that's a tough one. But we can actually somehow, after clicking through it, get to the original function name. So as a matter of fact, theta e actually maps to element start. And then we can see this uh, mm -hmm. string which says, this creates a DOM element, blah, 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 blah. So, um, Okay, so All these cryptic names are actually uh, instructions that tell the renderer what to do. And Tedae tells it, hey, I want you to create a div element. Um, and I heard a question. Yeah, I just want to geek out for a second real quick. A um, mm -hmm. couple of things I, I want to ask a question, and then I want to make a point. Uh, first, I want to ask our panelists, how many, and just shout it out, how many of you have like looked before at the output render JavaScript of our components that we write to see this mix of HTML, CSS, and what used to be like pre-IV, right? Anybody? No. I have briefly. No, I wouldn't do it without a guide. <laughs> so, so it was like complex, right? A lot of, it, I mean, it was, you know, compiled, but it was 
cryptic and a lot of stuff, a lot of places, right? It was very hard to digest and debug and things like that. So that was actually one of the things we didn't mention earlier with the benefit of Ivy is this ability for us to debug a lot easier. And Uri is showing this right here with the fact that we can kind of dig through in the TypeScript land and see these methods that are called and trace this through. But we can also look at this code right now. And if we've looked at the other previous and we look at this now, this JavaScript file, it's a lot easier to kind of take in and understand what's going so on. So was it all just like right? numbers and symbols and stuff before? I have a small confession to make. Uh, this year in ngconf they had this challenge where you had to solve a series of riddles um as a part of the conference yes and did you cheat did you cheat <laughs> all right I i'm gonna say this now so the first part of the challenge was a website where you had to hit a secret code with uh your keyboard yeah, yeah. Uh, i think it was called the kinoma or kinomi code konami. Is... yeah it was the konami, konami. code and I figured that out, but when I typed the code, uh, it says, "Very, you're doing well, keep going, but it never occurred to me that you had to hit enter at the end in order to unlock this uh, challenge. Yeah. Uh, so after trying a lot of variants, like with the keys and with the uh, letters like A, S, D, and stuff, um, I decided, okay, I'm a developer, this is code. I can just look into the code and try to find the code that matches the key sequence in order to determine what the key sequence was. And I spent about half an hour in the morning of the second day of the conference, instead of practicing for my workshop I had that day, trying to figure out my way through the compiled code. It was Angular uh, 5, I think, at the time. Uh, of this application. Did you figure and it out? It was, was it super hard to read? It was super hard. It was so cryptic. After half an hour, I just gave up and I said, all right, uh, this it should be easier just to brute force. And then uh, at the night of that day, it occurred to me that I should probably try to hit the uh, enter button after doing the sequence and then it worked. Like, it was so simple. Um, but anyway, this was a real proof for me, a real life proof for me that the code for um, what that was generated for Angular 5 was simply too cryptic to understand what's going on in the compiled code. And as Justin said, this is now greatly simplified. Like, I believe that even without me explaining uh, all those uh, instructions, you can possibly, you can probably see the relations between uh, the input and the output. Like you can see all the tag names and the text, and then there is a little boilerplate, but not too much. And I also owe you how you type the theta. So the easiest way is what we developers do all the time, copy paste. But then uh, since we work with, uh, you know what? I will save the second method for uh, the next demo uh, because I want to move on. Yes, sure. So I think that was a good, great question by Justin about looking at the old compiler or the output from the old compiler versus uh, this compiler. Um, but I think it's important to note that if you decide that you don't want to dig into this, 
as most of us, on, even on the panel, said, no, we've never looked at that output. This is some output that you're probably not going to be looking at again, um, unless you do uh, decide to go in and de try and debug something else. But there's nothing in normal day-to-day -day Angular development that would say that you have to go in and look at the compiled output. Mm -hmm. uh, totally. And I think uh, before it wasn't even possible, like, uh, even if you had to do it at some point, you would probably have to resort to uh, solving the problem, debugging the problem that you had using some other method. But now, if you do decide to do, it's finally more approachable. So uh, earlier, it was just totally unapproachable, and now it's uh, one level more approachable. So I think even if you don't do this on the day-to-day, -day, you can now do it if you want. And before, it was like totally over the head. Um, just um, for uh, a quick glimpse at what the old code looked like. So this is a snippet from the uh, old code, which had a lot of knowledge any. And you can still find uh, bits of text and uh, um, uh, element names there, but it's like there is all this mess around it. And when it's minified, it's just a mess of uh, brackets, uh, square brackets, and parentheses, <laughs> and, uh, and simply don't. Anyway, uh, where did my code go? Here we go. So anyway, um, this is like a quick demo of how we can easily look at the output of the compiler. And as uh, Mike said, you usually don't have to do that, but now you can. Um, and one more thing I want to say about this template function, you can see it has these uh, if statements, two if statements, if RF ampersand one and if RF ampersand two. And those are basically defining the two parts of the template. So the first part um, is the creation of the view. So this code runs once, and this code runs every time change detection kicks in. So basically, this is the new change detection mechanism. It calls all the template functions relevant to the uh, component where the change occurred. And those functions basically reevaluate all the dynamic uh, bindings. So in this case, we only have one binding, which is welcome to title. And it's reevaluated here whenever the change detection uh, kicks in. So we also get a glimpse on how the change detection now works. Um, and basically, this uh, theta t function is updating uh, this element that we created here. We have the same number. The number is just an index into, I guess, some internal array where Angular keeps tracks on all the uh, things you created in your view. And we are basically telling Angular, update this value with uh, this expression. And Angular does the comparison itself. So Angular saves saved for us the previous value of this expression. And then when this uh, change detection kicks in and this function is called, Angular compares this uh, the new value of this expression with the value it previ previously saved. And if they are different, the only then it goes to the DOM and updates this uh, element number two, which it created here. So um, everything is much simpler now. 
Okay. Okay. That's, I mean, that's really like get excited about this here because I mean, think about it. We, we, Mike, you mentioned like, well, maybe we won't touch this again or we won't have to look at this again. But I mean, how many times have we hit stuff and gone, man, I would love to just break point wherever change detection is happening. Cause I think there's some variable flowing through what the heck's going on with my code. Right. Like, and we put a break point somewhere and we end up in down some rabbit hole where we just can't diagnose. Right. We have to trace back between multiple files to get our answer. This can kind of give us this anchor point, this entry where we could go there and see, oh, these are the things that are happening in change detection. What's my value? That sort of thing. So I don't know. I get excited about that possibility of making that life easier, right? That's an excellent Totally. Point. I believe wow. um, Kara actually demoed that on stage at NGCompton on one of the keynotes this year. Yeah. Yeah, like great I, I, email, right? Yes. That, that's amazing. Don't you think so? Like, I remember I, what I remember with AngularJS, when you had this dollar digest that would go over all your listeners and magically compare things. And whenever I did dollar digest, I felt a little thrill in my body because a uh, little chill. I don't know if thrill is the right word. Um, because I didn't know what digest is actually going to do. It was doing so much stuff and you couldn't really look inside digest. It was complicated code. Um, and you had this digest cycle that ran your promises, did change detection, ran timers and whatever. Um, and it was a little bit scary to try to um, understand all the things that digest was doing whenever you called it. And now this is so much simpler. Even though the framework itself is much more mature and complex, this these smaller bits are much easier to understand and uh, ingest. Um, so how many of you like stack blitz? We all love stack. We love stack blitz. So the next demo will be just uh, showing you how we can uh, with stack blitz um, do it yourself, Ivy. So we are going to start yeah. a new project. Yeah, and it's going to be easy, fun, and uh, super simple. You can try it at home. Please do try it at home. And unlike what uh, you would probably think I would do, you would probably think I would start an Angular project. But no, I'm going to start a blank TypeScript project, no Angular. So this is going to be done from scratch without using all the setup of all the boiler of Angular, just the TypeScript application. We still have the boiler of TypeScript uh, handled for us, but no Angular. And the first thing where I'm going to do is obviously love what I love doing the most, delete code. I'm going to delete the code here. And so we are left with just this empty index HTML and with this CSS. And let's make sure we have a nice font for our body. And other than that, we are totally starting this from scratch. Um, and we are going to start by, we have no dependencies because this is a new empty project. And we are going to import only Angular core, no Angular common, no Angular compiler. And obviously, it's dependencies, RxJS, and zone. And what we are going to do right now, we are going to take a component uh, that looks like this. and translate it uh, to the Ivy language on our own. So let's call it hello component, and it will have a title that says hello. Actually, it won't have a title. It will have a name, 
please give me a cool mail. Ah, I'm waiting Alisa. for input. Alisa? Yes. Okay, that's totally a cool name. So I'm going to import <laughs> component from Angular Curve uh, and put here in the name uh, Lisa. And I recently discovered that you have this nice emoji win menu in Windows 10. So I'm going to attach a printer to Alisa. I don't know why. Nice uh, emojis. Wait, did it put the did it put the emoji uh, in the it did, but the font doesn't display uh, okay, okay. <laughs> super nicely. But I think it will be displayed well in the HTML page. We'll find in a moment. So basically, we are going to use uh, this component. We'll call it Hello World, Hello Alisa component. And we are going to give it a template that will say, Hi, name. So this is our component. And obviously, in order to use it, we need to get a font a little bit larger so everyone can see what we are doing. We are going to need to put it in the HTML. And I will code paste, because otherwise, I'm likely to have. Did I type your name correctly, Alisa? Yes, sorry. <laughs> So blind. Yes. <laughs> I have to like lean really close to the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I realize an optometrist. If you need uh, new glasses, you can. <laughs> I, will, I will arrange uh, something after this call. So anyway, um, right now it's not displaying anything because we don't have. Uh, we only have Angular Core. We don't have the Angular compiler. So. This decorator is basically not translated into anything, into anything, and we just have a class that is defined, and nobody is even instantiating it. And what we are going to do right now, we are going to um, create this ng uh, component dev, as we saw the Ivy does, and create it in a way that this component could render uh, using the renderer. So let's do it, and then we'll show. I will show you how to render it. So we are going to do basically the same as we have seen with our code. We are going to define the static property on the class, and then call this. Uh, let's import um, Angular Core as well. Let's import. I will make the font a little bit larger for Alisa. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's core from Angular Core. And then we are going to call this helper method that is called uh, define component. And since it's a private method, it starts with a theta. And I don't know how I can type theta, but here is my second trick. I can use the autocomplete to get a theta. So I just uh, autocomplete corded something, and it gives me the theta method. I love it. <laughs> yeah, a simple little trick that worth $1 million. Um, <laughs> and this function, as you may remember, gets a few parameters uh, that correspond to the stuff that we had at the component decorator. So first of all, it gets just uh, the type, which is uh, the name of our class. Then we need to give it uh, all the selectors. Uh, I'm not sure why it accepts multiple selectors, but uh, this is for you, homework, to figure it out. <laughs> then we need to give it a factory, which is uh, how to create a component. Again, we don't have any fancy dependencies in the constructor, so we are just going to uh, return a new instance. 
And most importantly, we are going to create a template. And this template is a function that uh, we'll call all these fancy theta e methods to create our view. And it gets two parameters, this rf, which we are going to eventually use when we want to differentiate between the creation state, uh, stage of the component and the change detection, and ctx. ctx will simply point to the instance of the component. Since this is a static method, we can use this inside it. So ctx, we get it from uh, whoever calls this uh, render this template function, and it contains the instance of our controller. So basically, everything we have here inside our template is going to be available inside CDX. And we are going to create our template, super simple. Uh, all we need to do, we are need to create this H1 element. So we'll call this uh, theta E function and create an, tell it to create an H1 element. And inside this element, we want to create some text. Uh, we will use uh, t. Thank you, autocomplete. And uh, we'll just say there, hi. And then we want to get a name. So how would you go about getting the name? Where would you get the name from? From the context. Context. Hi, from the context, which is the instance of our component. And then finally, we opened an element. So we need to close it. This is really confusing because this is theta and lowercase e. <laughs> Demons. <laughs> yeah, they push it to the they push us to the limits. So this is basically all the code that we need to write in order to uh, to simulate to make this uh, template uh, be created by the renderer and. This is basically it. This is what the, more or less, this is a little bit simplified version of uh, what Ivy would produce for our component. So since uh, we got the component ready, the only thing we need to do now is to tell Angular to draw it to the string so we can see it on the right side. And for that, we are going to call yet another never used method, uh, this private render uh, component method and see how simple it gets. I just need to give it the name of the class and that's it. It works. Hey, look at that printer. Look at that cute little printer. <laughs> right? So basically, we created a complete working Angular component and render it to the screen without going through the Angular compiler just by writing like around 20 lines of code. And because we have this ng component dev, we basically don't need this uh, decorator anymore because it actually looks at the ng component dev and the decorator, as I said before, is meaningless. We don't have the compiler here, so nobody is looking at the decorator. So we can remove it and obviously it still works. Let's give you another emoji. This time it's going to be thumbs up. Uh, you know what? You also get a brain because I think you're smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So basically, even with this large font size, I can still fit the entire code into one screen of code that 
creates the component and this is the compiled code i mean it is simple and approachable as you can see and it's not much longer than writing the uh, add component and the template as html only a little bit longer questions yeah that's really cool that's really cool because then you can kind of see and understand what's going on under the hood here at this point uh with our components that we write and we make and we can also see where like i mean you have this chunk of code here that's also testable and all these other things that come out of it right that are that are pretty amazing so do we finally yeah. get to talk about the when okay before the when <laughs> just one more thing <laughs> um, basically uh you said uh justin said a magic word testable and i want to highlight another nice feature that we'll get with IB, since uh what you have seen here is that when we want to compile a component we basically take this uh component decorator that i just removed and translate it to this this means that eventually inside our tests we will be able to define uh Component. So we'll have a function like it should do something. And if we wanted to create a custom component that would wrap our uh, own component, we could write something like uh, a component template, and my other component, uh, blah, 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 and create a smaller component just for the purpose of the test. And then uh, I could instantiate its component and do stuff with it. So basically, the decorators will be able to do the compilation of the template into this uh, thing, also at runtime for test purposes. So I will be able to define very small components just for the test case. Or if you use Storybook, you can define. You will be able to define small component that just wrap other components and use them in a certain way uh, just uh, inside your stories. So this is basically giving you a sort of uh, high order components because this decorator will actually be a function that takes this uh, class and returns this class with this new ng component dev static property. So uh, this will um, open a lot of more, a lot more possibilities for what we can do when we want to create uh, components or manipulate them uh, in runtime and not just uh, the usual story of co doing this compilation in, comp in uh, build time. So this is all still being prototyped and these are all initial thoughts. But, you know, as we speak, I'm starting to see some parallels between Ivy and the way React works. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with React, but I think Angular is starting to take some interesting ideas from React, and I love—I I would love seeing where this goes. Yeah, for sure. Stop screen sharing. I want to see your faces again. Oh, that was that was really fascinating. That was really cool. Uh, it's such a small little demo, but you showed a lot of cool stuff right there. Uh, Everybody needs to make sure they check that out, that they, that they missed it. Yes, do try it at home. That was pretty cool. 
All right. So we didn't really touch on the win, right? Like, like what's the state right now? <laughs> we got Angular 7 coming around the corner, right? Like what, what can we expect right now? You, showed you guys are ruthless. Flat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried, I tried to get away with it, but. I just don't know. Like, can we, can we expect, like, was it ever promised for seven or no? Do we know? So we have, <laughs> we are JavaScript developers. We like promises, but. <laughs> but we get observables instead. Oh, well. <laughs> well, remember, they're trying to make it backward compatible and they're trying to make sure that we don't have to change anything. So I'm going to take that. We should as... be patient. I mean, that's worth waiting for. So don't... we don't have to refactor anything. <laughs> that's. So. Oh, uh, Stefan wants to know if we can share the link for that stack blitz. Can you send it to uh, Justin and Justin can post it? Only Justin can, Stefan, because Justin is special. So, uh, yeah, I will just share the link to my uh, blog post. And there is uh, the same stack blitz and then a better version of it in uh, my blog post uh, with all the instructions how to create recreate it. So so, uh, Justin already posted that one in the chat, so all you have to do is scroll up. All right, perfect. Uh, and if you want a nice exercise, you can take that uh, example that I have in the blog post and change the name to read Alisa Printer Thumbs Up Rain. <laughs> so getting back to the when, um, I think the latest promise regarding release schedules was given after AngularJS 1.2 was out. And basically, the Angular team promised to us that they will never uh, make any promises uh, regarding to relate release dates again. Because uh, I don't know if you remember, but AngularJS 1.2 was really anticipated. And they had to push back the release date over and over again. So oh, trust right me, now, we remember. You do remember. We remember. NG repeat, you are still haunted by the NG repeat. Yeah. Uh, so right now we do have a predictable release schedule, but it doesn't mean that we know when features are going to come in because we know we are going to get a new release every new six months, but features will only be enabled once they are stable. And uh, as Alex from the team told to me, it will be ready when it will be ready, and not a moment before that. So only when they feel, as Bonnie said, it's totally bulletproof and a safe upgrade, and they have all the story for upgrading, we'll get it. The uh, thing is, I think they deserve a really uh, big shout out because they are working hard to make up our applications better without us even noticing. Um, and I think no, almost nobody does it in this industry. All of, or most of the other libraries, when they grow, they make breaking changes. Um, sometimes they don't even document what was the change. And then you upgrade and you have these strange bugs and you have to hunt them down. So here, I think uh, they are doing it really carefully. And it's, like they're telling you about it and getting you all excited or as Shai uh, once said in his talks, they're like uh, um, a celebrity that 
just gets a teenage girl really excited and pumped up. Um, but then they don't, I mean, they didn't have to tell us about it. They, they could have done it secretly and not have us uh, have their eyes upon them. And... I mean, except for the fact that we can see the GitHub, right? Like... <laughs> so this is the time to be honest. What was the last time when you checked the commits on the Angular GitHub? Two days ago. <laughs> You're a nerd. What about you, Justin? There was, there was a reason why your name was picked for this demo, Alyssa. And then the brain, right? Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so you what are, about you? You are quick with those comebacks today. I like it. <laughs> okay. Well, we're uh, we're probably at the end of the show. Almost time to put a closing tag on this thing. So, um, any last thing on Ivy before we get to some picks or anything? Going once, going twice. A song about Ivy. That's pick a song about Ivy. Justin, I can't let that slide, my man. Put a closing tag on it. No, I love that. That was dare. I loved that. No, you totally should have put a theta lowercase e on it. Oh, my God. I don't even think I can say theta. Theta? I don't know. I don't even know. All right, let's get to some picks. Anybody got any picks? I have picks. All right, go for it. Do we all have picks? Can I have more? Can I have extra? Well, maybe other people might have picks, but you're going first. So I'm going, okay, well, I'm going to go really quick because I have multiple picks. So I have to say, um, I have some picks from our YouTube chat because, uh, Frederick had some really good questions and comments. And so, uh, shout out to Frederick and, uh, Stefan also was in there with the YouTube with some good questions. And he said, there's an angular conference in Amsterdam, March, 2019 NGX Amsterdam. Uh, and also, uh, Hasura.io. I had a, a guy on NG Houston a uh, couple days because I didn't even know the guy at all. Uh, his name was Tanmay Gopal. He actually turned out to be very cool. And so if you like GraphQL, you should go check out Hasura.io. Uh, Those are my picks. Cool. Hey, I, I got a pick real quick. Can you hold up that pencil? Do you got an eraser on there that was like from when we were in elementary school? You know what, Justin? That's old school cool. I got to tell you, that's better than any... Yeah, because I write, so I write a lot of notes, but I never, like I have, I have spiral notebooks full of notes and it's not like, I never go back and ever look at them, but it's because when I write things down, it sticks in my brain. But I don't know. It's are, just you, are, are you erasing a lot too, or do you just like the big heavy? I, I, I actually do kind of erase a lot because you know what happens when you, like you have all this pencil left and yeah, you know what? Y'all leave me alone. <laughs> Yeah, no, give it a demo. You got to like hold it slow and just show us what this, this race looks like. <laughs> I'm trying to find, look, look right there. Look at that. That is tragic. That's my London pencil. But like, I still have all this pencil left, but once the eraser has gone, it's, it's dead to me. Like, I don't even. Funny. This is what adults use. It's called pen. <laughs> <laughs> you scribble it out if you make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, but then see, if you don't use that eraser head thing that you pop on there, then you don't get the joy of like burning it down and all of a sudden I mean, it's a hole just in, in it case if I really and... am having a bad day, then I have the, you know. Oh, good Lord. What's because that? sometimes you have to like go learn new things. And I, and sometimes when I'm learning no, new things. No, and hold I have up to, that eraser. Hold that eraser. That's an eraser switchblade. Y'all leave me alone. All right, all right. I need something a little bit different. I got to get mine in there. All right, Mike, you got picks? 
I just use the keyboard. I take digital notes. Oh, <laughs> I got it. I got it. Like normal people, I think, in 2018. I don't know. There's something about writing something down sometimes. It does stick better. Thank you, Alyssa. <laughs> okay, who, el who else has picks? I'm going to see a movie tonight. I don't remember which one. I think it's Venom. <laughs> Is Venom out tonight? I don't know. I'm excited, though. I haven't been to that. I don't know have Austin here to tell us what's released. <laughs> Where is Austin? Where is Austin? Austin's today. Yeah, we miss Austin. He got a regular job, and now he actually has to work mm. for a living. Okay, Mike, do you have any picks, Mike? I have no picks, although I will recommend people go back and check out the episode from Tuesday, The Docker. I went back and watched that because I was not able to be on. But yeah, very good conversations with uh, that. And speaking of YouTube. Dan Walleen. Yes, Dan Walleen. Dan Walleen. That one guy, whatever his name was. Dan Walleen. But I will also plug um, Stephen Fluen's uh, Demos with Angular. Has a lot of really good content up on that YouTube channel as well. I have to second that. Stephen Fluent's kind of amazing. Like, like I always liked him, but I, I like him more and more each time. He's cool. pretty cool. Uri, do you have anything that you want to pick? Yes, actually, two things. So first of all is uh, Geekon. It's a hackathon I participate, Ariella and I participated in this weekend. And the purpose of this hackathon is to build totally useless but cool things. So people build their really amazing things. And I think uh, I will have another blog post about that in the future. Um, but just to give you a quick taste, um, a cat robot, that's a robot that looks like a cat and follows a laser pointer that you point on the floor. And that's all that it does. Um, and I really think, yeah. I think we need to redefine pointless because I just that, have to that seems like it has a point. <laughs> or you're so much fun. Like you get into the most nerdy, geeky things, but then you make them so much fun that you're you're just fun. You're yeah. I missed you. I haven't seen you in a while. I'm really glad that you I've come to Israel to visit us. Yeah, yeah. It would be worth it. You're so fun. Agreed. And then, uh, so more to be told about Econ in another opportunity because there is a lot of tell. And then I think my second pick, let's see if she's here. Ariella, can you come and say hi? Three, two, one, say hi to Ariella. Hello. <laughs> well, so how tickled were you with the, with the uh, oh, because she, she can't hear us. No, she hasn't got this. Well, but, ask her. Uh, ask her how tickled she was when you used three D printing to propose. Is that like? And does she think that's charming, or does she think is she a nerd too? Is she a nerd too? Yes, I think she's she a nerd too. She went to GeekCon with him. Well, yeah, that's true. I guess <laughs> so. So, uh, so you guys are it's a match about, here. Um, the uh, ring in the egg, if you uh, like it. Of course. She said she totally. <laughs> oh, congrats! That is so great. Congratulations! She's beautiful. You're beautiful. You guys are adorable. Y'all didn't know you're going to get a love story, right? <laughs> this is, I think, the most romantic episode we've ever had. It is. It is. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. We'll end it on that amazing note. So.
Uri, thank you very much for taking the time, uh, coming on, sharing this information with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun. A lot of fun. All right. We can't wait till next time. All right. Have a good weekend. Later. Bye -bye.